welcome to Broadway and Clark, a baseball podcast with two St. Louis Cardinals fans talking about the Cardinals along with other broader baseball topics. I'm your host, Duncan, along with my co-host, Mark. We'll get into the weeds on players, roster construction, baseball philosophy, and the exciting baseball topics of the day. As a great voice in the game, Sarah Lang says, Baseball is the best, so come have a seat with us on the bleachers and have a little fun talking about the best game out there. Talking about the state of the race, state of the league, where are we at, where the race is at in each division, wild card, all of that. Uh, Mark, you want to uh, talk about who, what looks interesting to you as far as the races go? Yeah, I mean, I think in the American League, we may know the six teams or we're getting pretty close to knowing the six teams. Toronto has fallen off over the last couple weeks. And and they still have a shot. Um, Toronto is currently uh, two games behind the Astros for the last wild card. And then the Sox, who are playing the Astros, and the Astros were up 9-4 last uh, I'm sorry, they're up 13-4 now in the top of the eighth. Uh, on the road in Boston after they just split, I believe, with the Sox down in Houston a week or so ago. Um, but the Sox, if they lose tonight, I guess will be five back of the Strohs, five or five and a half. Um, and so really, it's right now it's Tampa, Texas, and Houston. But Texas and Houston both came into today one game behind Seattle in the West, which I think is the most interesting divisional race um, left in the game. Baltimore and Tampa have a, a fairly close, I think Baltimore was up by two games on Tampa, but both those teams are almost certainly going to make the playoffs. Tampa currently has the, the number one uh, wild card, and they're five and a half games ahead of um, Texas. Um, and then uh, the uh, on the and on the National League side, there's a lot more. There's five teams that are really fighting for the last two wild card uh, positions. And in the NL Central. Um, Milwaukee, who is playing the Cubs tonight, they have a series this weekend. They are up 6-2 going into the ninth on the road at Wrigley. Um, and they, uh, they are, uh, I believe, yeah, they are, um, uh, four games up on the Cubs, and so if they win tonight, they're five up with, you know, 30 games left, 31 games left. And, I mean, anything can happen. I do know, I believe the Brewers and Cubs play, and I think it's in Wrigley, last three days of the season. So, of course, that'll be exciting. Uh, maybe. Or Milwaukee will be resting. You know, they'll be rolling out some pitcher we never heard of. Uh, but tonight was, um, uh, what's his name? Miley. 
And uh, tomorrow night it's Burns versus I think it's Justin Steele. So that That'll game be tomorrow night's going to be a good game. game. Yeah, that's going to be a good game. So that's the so the Central's still a race, but again, both of those teams are probably okay. Um, although the Cubs are still no, that's not true because I guess if the Cubs were to catch the Brewers, but again, if they're five games back, it's going to be that's kind of a tall task. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they do that, then they're probably going to have to play good enough baseball that they would solidify one of these other wild card spots. So in the National League, obviously, you got the Braves and Dodgers, and the Brewers are the division leaders. And then Philly is really, you know, they're the equivalent of the Rays in the American League where they're the number one wild card and there's pretty decent separation between the rest. Mm -hmm. And they are, um, they're four games up on the Cubs and currently, I mean, three and a half on the Cubs, four on the D-backs. But the Cubs, D-backs, Giants, and Reds, and if you want to include the Marlins, which I think you have to because they're only three back, those five teams are essentially fighting for those last two spots. So that'll be interesting. And you got the uh, – who's in – Isn't I think Cincinnati's in San Francisco for a three-game set starting tonight. Arizona's playing the Dodgers three or three or four to starting tonight. So big series to start the week. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and well, <laughs> the thing I, one of the big things that I see a uh, kind of a funny thing now looking at where we are now versus what was expected uh, in, in February uh, when people were looking at the, uh, the outlook for the season, you look at the standings now, who would have guessed? And I want to know uh, how much how much money somebody could have made by putting some money down on the Central potentially having three playoff teams, the NL Central having three playoff teams, um, and the Cardinals also not being any of those three teams. I feel like what what were the odds maybe for that in February? I can only imagine what those odds would have been, uh, and I don't think anyone guessed that the NL Central could had three potential teams to be in contention uh, for the playoffs, um, especially none of them being the Cardinals. So just an interesting thing uh, that I just kind of noticed just looking at the standings there, which is kind of shocking, to be honest. So so what you're saying is there's, there's a Cardinal hater out there with a ticket at some casino, some sports book, that is going to be much wealthier at the end of the year if the Reds can sneak into the dance with the Cubbies and the Brewers. Absolutely. You know that you know there's some Cardinal haters out there. People love to hate the Cardinals. That's a fact. Some of <laughs> some of those folks fact. are in the Cardinal Nation that are hating the Cardinals right now. That that is true. But what do you think? Some strong what do you think opinions. About the Orioles and the Rays. I know it really probably, I mean, it doesn't matter in terms of both teams making the playoffs, but what are your feelings about the order they finish in? Do you think it matters at all? 
or what's your thoughts? That, like I said, the Sox have a, a kind of a snowball's chance, and the Yanks are done as dinner. Um, but and Texas or uh, Toronto, rather, who knows? You know, but do you have any feeling about the about the division winner versus the first wild card between Baltimore and Tampa? Yeah, the the thing that I'm thinking about is you know you you look at what happened with the Cardinals, uh, being in that shorter series, the the best of three series. Uh, I think that will make a huge difference, and particularly uh, have an impact on pitching depth or even just top of the rotation um, stuff. And uh, I think it's going to hurt a team more to be in that shorter series. There's more uh, potential for failure in that because everything has to go right and there's no room for error. You can't have a bad game and a half because then you're done. So particularly for the... I could see I I honestly could see it going both ways because I could see it being bad for the Orioles because of how young they are um and they have a lot of depth I feel like in a way um a lot of up and coming young players that likely will be stars in this game um they don't have a ton of like top 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 stars like what who you would consider a star in the game now that's been established uh but they have a lot of depth they don't have like a um really strong front half of the rotation or front half of the lineup and then it kind of tails off at the end uh, so it could be bad for that team because they don't have a lot of front end starters like who we faced last year with Nola and Wheeler uh, just absolutely handing it to us. Um, and then all of a sudden we're sitting at home watching the rest of the playoffs. But I could see that going the other way with the Rays. They had McClanahan get hurt. Now you're looking at the rest of their staff. Is Glasnow going to be healthy at all? I I haven't really looked at uh, his availability, but he seems to be hurt all the time, and there's always a risk for that. But otherwise, with pitching depth um, or like your top-end starters for the Rays, that's what's going to you know, pull you through in those short series usually is if you have a guy go out there and they can throw seven, eight innings of one run ball or something like that. And then all of a sudden, Oh shoot, we took the first game. Now you have to win two in a row. And that's what we were facing last year. Um, And it just demoralized us. So I could really see it going either way with each of those teams uh, with it being an advantage or a disadvantage uh, for either of them. Cause I, you could also see the, the Orioles with how young they are just saying, all right, just go out and play and a shorter series might be better for a young team in that way. Um, and just saying, all right, you only have to win two. just go out and do it and have fun. You're going to be here next year anyway, because we're going to have 95% of the same guys on the team next year. Cause everyone's so young. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And you know, two months from now you could look back at it and go, yeah, that makes sense. How that, how that turned out. Well, in a quick look at their rotation, the Orioles, uh, which speaks to this. So the the way the wild card works this year, and I think it's going to work going forward, is the two uh, the two top. Well, the you know the the third um, the third 
and this is where it might really matter for for both of those teams. The the top two division winners, which the AL East will certainly be one of them. I mean, I think the Orioles right now have the best record in the American League. Uh, so the whoever you know theoretically whoever wins that division is going to be one of the top two. And there's no way Minnesota's catching either Tampa or or Baltimore. And uh, but even still, if you're the number four, you would still have home field in that wild card or whatever whatever that round is called. Um, and all three games are hosted by the higher seed. So Minnesota, I think as it stood today, it was Tampa and Texas and Minnesota and the Astros maybe. Yeah, I think that's how it went, um, which would be crazy for Minnesota. But um, but then who knows? I mean, the Astros have been weird this year, up and down, a lot of injury. But anyway, looking at Baltimore's pitching, they truly have had six starters really all year. I mean, they had Cole Irvin, who earlier, and I don't, I, I, I'm not looking at his game logs, but he has 11 starts on the season. And then, of course, they got Jay Flair from us at the tra- trade deadline. He's got four starts for him now. But uh, they got Gibson, Kramer, and Bradish, and none of those names do anything for anybody except if you're an Orioles fan and you love young starting pitching, which most good baseball fans should. And, you know, I mean, all of them bring their own unique skill to the, to the mound, and all three of them have had good seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, they've each started at least – Bradish has the least number of starts, and I know he was hurt for a while, uh, at 24. And then Kramer and Gibson each have 26 and 27, which is pretty good for a starting pitcher through the end of August – you know, in 2023. So, but none of those guys are household names. Uh, I don't know that any of them have ever, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know that any of them have ever pitched for anybody but the Orioles. Um, and then Tyler. You know, Cole Irvin, uh, Cole Irvin used to be on the, the A's. And of course, yeah, no, 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 Jack, no. I mean, Jack being with three, us, but yeah, they're top three guys. Gibson, and, and I see, I see. Slot, do you slot Flaherty in above one of those three? Tyler Wells, who I think also might have been uh, hurt, uh, he's made twenty starts though, and he, as their you know fourth, the their player with the and then Grayson Rodriguez has been their number four, you know, is their fifth most starts right and um i don't know that i don't think any of those guys ever pitch in a playoff game uh and i don't know that the top three or the the three most used gibson kramer or bradish have ever even pitched for another club so that scares me if i'm a uh orioles fan but at the same time i'm like hey We've done it all season. Nobody, nobody thought we were going to be here in April, and certainly nobody thought we were going to be here at the end of August. But I would still yeah. rather every time have the bye. 
<laughs> oh, absolutely. I think that was made apparent to to the Cardinals last year, kind of like what I mentioned was the whole notion or approach of just get into the playoffs. Anything can happen. Right. While, yes, theoretically that's true, but you have a I, – I would love to see the numbers crunched on it and everything, but I would imagine the actual numbers – when they bear out, uh, have a much lower likelihood of success when you have that shorter series at the beginning and you don't get that buy. Um, so yeah, definitely super important. Um, while you were talking about that, I looked at, uh, Kyle Gibson was, I, I think, uh, the only one out of those starters, uh, that's had any postseason experience, um, outside of Flaherty. I think he's of course post pitching the postseason, but, um, uh, Kyle Gibson has pitched uh, in the postseason three games. He's been with uh, a few different clubs, too. He's been in Minnesota, Texas, Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, so he's been a few different places before here, but only three games in the postseason. Uh, total innings pitched, 3.1 innings. Okay. So it wasn't even like he had a start and pitched you know, four and two thirds, you know, three different times. So right. barely out of the pen for an inning. So nothing really substantial there. And if that's your postseason experience, it fills you with some kind of optimism of, all right, maybe we can do something here. No news is not bad news. So <laughs> we'll see what they can do. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, so uh, that should be interesting to watch as it, as it gets closer. Well, yeah, I mean, we hope they hold on, I guess is the way I see it. Um, that's that's my perspective too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so as we stand now, 30 days out, uh, the who actually makes it in the NL uh, is very much uh, exciting. Really, I think you've only got, especially with uh, Baltimore or with Boston losing tonight, Really, you've got the six teams identified plus Toronto. The Blue Jays, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, they've been – I think they were in pretty good shape maybe six weeks ago. I I don't – I'd like to check their record since the trade deadline. Um, But – you know, whoever doesn't make it in that group, I mean, Seattle kind of came from out of nowhere. I think Seattle deserves a little bit of love because I know they've been one of the top teams in the second half. Yeah. Um, and it's really all about their young offense just starting to hit. They've pitched well all season. They, they I mean, they have, you know, if they, especially if they win that division, and get the buy, which, I mean, anybody who wants to put a bet down on the AL West division winner is a lot more, has a lot more courage than I do. When you got, you know, three teams, all very, any, any three, any one of those three teams, if they won the world series, I don't think anybody would be shocked. Um, But the, you know, if they were, if they had, if they were fortunate enough to win the division and get the bye, I mean, you know, I think they, I think they become the favorite in the American League to get to the World Series. I don't know how they don't. Uh, even though Baltimore probably still finishes with a better record, but 
It's crazy. I mean, I don't know, the young offense versus the young pitching staff. Although with the Orioles, it's young all over the field. It really is, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you look at uh, – I mean, it's always about uh, momentum when you get to that time of the year and you look at uh, Texas just kind of trying – they got off to such a hot start, and same with, with Tampa – now they they've cooled off a little bit, but they're still a strong team. But particularly Texas, just kind of like sputtering out a little bit. Um, if it was sure, you look at the end of the year. All right, you made the postseason, great. But if you got Seattle, who I was just looking at their splits and everything for the year, basically a 500 first half, 45 and 44. Second half, they've gone 29 and 12. So they are absolutely on fire right now. Uh, in the second half here, and if they can keep that going into the last month of the season and, and take that into the postseason, that's going to be really dangerous. And sure, they may. Uh, I mean, they basically have the exact same record as the the Rangers right now. They're going to run away from them uh, going into the rest of the season if it keeps going like this. So uh, that could pay huge dividends. Just getting hot at the right time, of course, uh, at the end of the year. So we all remember the seventeen game winning streak. Yeah, feels like feels like a hundred years ago, but it really wasn't. <laughs> yeah, or even further back, you look in at twenty eleven or two thousand six, and those comebacks that happened, particularly twenty eleven, uh, those were a little bit improbable as well. So you never know what can happen with those teams. We we've mentioned Philly from last year on the podcast previously on a different episode, and what they did and where they were in the middle of the season and ended up in the world series. So right. baseball's a long, a long season. Uh, can't be, uh, can't be making rash decisions off of 30 days of baseball. So. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And that, and that leads us to, we could probably wrap up this conversation about, uh, you know, what the postseason looks like. I uh, just wanted to give a quick shout to the Cubbies much as that hurts me to do so. They have also been very good since the break. Uh, maybe the best record in the National League. Don't hold me to that, but I think it's close. And they've got themselves solidly, well, or solidly in the middle of the race. Cincinnati, who had the big first half, uh, is struggling to hold on with injuries and some of their young players, you know, not quite as strong as they were in the beginning. And San Francisco, which I, I didn't believe I, I've not been a believer in the Giants generally. I think they have some players that are playing better than they are. Um, you know, like the the old axiom that your record is, you know, you're as good as your record says you are. Um, I get it, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not surprised to see them coming back to earth. And conversely, the Diamondbacks, who who came out of the gate fast and led the division for, what, the first 60 days or so before the Dodgers said enough of this, um, they uh, now they've climbed back in. So they've, they currently occupy the third wild card, um, but, you know, by the skin of their teeth. So those five teams, the uh, – the Cubs and the Reds, the Diamondbacks and the Giants, and then, you know, a little bit more on the outside, the Marlins. 
represent, you know, assuming the Phillies are in, which, you know, they got a pretty decent lead and I think they're strong. I mean, they're just a good team. They were just in the World Series. They got good they they're a, a pretty well balanced team and a couple of their guys that were struggling are are hitting better. Uh and they get they got a couple of real superstars. The um but those five teams for two playoff positions, that's gonna be it's gonna be a fun September. And the Cardinals might have an opportunity to play a little bit of spoiler, uh, you know, especially with series against the Cubs and the Brewers. Um, and I have would be sweet schedule to see who else will like, who do we play out West? Um, and of course the Reds will play the Reds again in September. So should be fun. Yeah. We got, uh, what is it? Seven games against Milwaukee, uh, throughout the rest of the year here. Um, four, no six against Cincinnati. So yeah, we can definitely, uh, play some spoiler there with the, the uh, wild card standings there. We've got some against Philly, uh, but like you said, that's pretty locked up. Otherwise, uh, yeah, we hopefully uh, could make a little something of that, uh, make things interesting for us. Uh, so games aren't completely meaningless there at the end of the year. So, and when you think about the uh, when you think about the playing the Brewers seven times, maybe maybe you run to your local sports book tomorrow and bet the Brewers to win the division. Heck, they got seven games against the hapless Cardinals left. So (laughs) honestly, not a bad bet at this point. (laughs) Uh, It's been abysmal. Yes. So maybe in two weeks we revisit it and see what has changed. I mean, obviously we're going to be watching it every day. It's going to be on sports center every day because you know, the race, the, the positions literally could change. It's interesting that today most of the most of the teams on top won. Uh, nobody really faltered that I saw. And the Brewers beating the Cubs, you know, makes that makes it just that much tougher. The next two nights mean every you know, I mean if if the Cubs were to be swept, I think you could pretty much write off the division. Um, yeah, but I mean, there's still a lot of baseball left to be played. Absolutely. And so that's all the exciting stuff that's actually going on. That means something for this year, but let's shift into something a little bit, uh, looking into next year for us in particular, the Cardinals, uh, and kind of what to do as far as addressing our starting pitching goes. I think this is like the beginning stages of us being able to, take what we have now and start to, I mean, people have already been looking towards next year, especially after the trade deadline and moving some pieces. But uh, particularly now we've seen some guys with pitching uh, get some starts. We tried out some new arms, uh, seeing some young guys, seeing what they have. Uh, Now we can kind of get a better framework and a better idea of what this may look like heading into spring training next year and maybe what approach we want to have. Uh, for next year and everything so i know uh, we can look at how many starters we have on staff today uh just kind of taking a look at uh, what we have right now and how many of those guys do we think are going to actually be there next year uh when we we look at the rotation when uh pitchers and catchers report uh, and and see what that looks like so i know for sure we've got mats and we have michaelis under contract uh those are our two that are 
on uh, what I would call big boy contracts that aren't under, under team control essentially right now. Uh, otherwise, you still have technically Dakota Hudson is still going to be in uh, arbitration his last year of arbitration next year. Um, so technically he's still under contract. I don't know how much you want to actually look at him as a viable starter. I think that's a, a decent conversation to have in the offseason with, with what that may look like. Uh, but Matts and Michaelis are two big guys that are actually on on those longer contracts otherwise. I uh, I mean, would you agree that you're looking at basically if you're slotting your starters for next season – uh, that Mets and um, Miles represent your numbers three and four, and I don't care what order you put them in. But I mean, to me, the, the, those two are a three and a four in an ideal rotation. I agree. I agree. I mean, like we tried to make the argument the last couple of years that Miles was a two. Uh, you can kind of see where that left us and everything right now i think he does a job he does a great job with what he can do uh but he's your he's your typical number three that's going to go out there um give you a chance to win most every time that he takes the mound and that's what you ask for out of a three you have a guy who has that high floor uh but has the potential of having a really great night and pitching deep and, and really giving your bullpen a rest for a night too. So yep. kind of a uh, high floor, but still that potential uh, to reach a little bit higher than that too, to give yourself a break. But I think he, yeah, he slots in three, four for sure. Excuse me. Here's, here's where, you know, if, if we look at this season, for example, uh, miles has made 28 starts, 10 quality starts. You know, that's a, what is that? That's a 40, a little bit under 40% average, right? Um, so that's probably not, that. you know, I, I don't, I, I mean, that's a number. Really, we may be talking about Nicholas and, and Matt's as, as a four and a five, ideally. Um, Matt's has only had 17 starts because of injury, and four of those have been quality starts, so less than 25% of the time. Um, you know, I mean, again, I like Miklas, have always liked Miklas. Uh, you know, I we'd probably have to do a bit of a, of a deep dive in understanding, you know, how he loses quality starts, like – is he if if we were looking through five innings, for example, would would that percentage go up significantly? Um, he's got a four six six, but oh, guess what? It leads the team. And among starters, I don't know why they have him as the leader. Oh, probably because of uh, how much you have to pay. Well, oh. That's because Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty aren't on the team anymore. I mean, Montgomery was <laughs> yeah. Montgomery was by far our best pitcher, right? And Matt's Matt's actually his ERA has only been three point eight six, but again, he hadn't pitched enough. He's he's pitched one hundred and five innings. So if we're lucky, we'll get what maybe one forty out of him, if that many, one thirty five. 
Uh, and Miklas will probably finish somewhere around 180, one, maybe even 190, which, you know, is not, you still, I mean, a, you know, a solid major league starter, you know, you'd love to get 200 innings, right? Um, and I'd have to look at the leaders for the year, um, you know, among all of baseball to see see where that is in terms of, of on pace. But I feel like he's going to be, you know, he's going to be 25, 30 innings behind the, you know, the solid guys that, you know, most of those guys are going to be upwards of 175, 180 or whatever, 190. Uh, so anyway, so we know who we have. Now that lets us, so we need, we at least need a one. I mean, we really need a one and a two. We haven't had a one and a two. I guess Wayno has been a two as recently as two or three years ago. I'd have to look, <clears throat> but ideally he hasn't been higher than a three since probably 2015 or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Flaherty, we've talked about, we've already talked about him in the past, his half season of brilliance. Um, and we've had a few other guys, you know, along the way that have had decent stretches. But in terms of a solid ace, you know, a Chris Carpenter. You know, <laughs> that was the name I was just thinking of. I was about to say, when when was the last time that we were in the playoffs and you were like, this guy's about to go eight innings and just absolutely wreck this team? And that would like what Chris Carpenter did to the Phillies against Roy Halladay, the late, great Roy Halladay. Right. In that absolute class of a, classic of a game. I have not seen any pitcher take the mound other than Wayno that I think has the, even the possibility of doing that. I mean, everyone always thought Jack Flaherty had the potential of doing that. He had the talent, but he hasn't shown it, of course. But other, I mean, we haven't seen that in the same thing. It was the same thing with, same thing with Carmart. Remember when we thought Carlos Martinez was going to be, you know, the next uh, I don't know uh, Johnny Cueto or something? I mean, it just didn't happen. And yeah, and so so when we talk about going into because. Uh, Mo has said it publicly on more than one occasion. Pitching, pitching, pitching is what 2024 is all about. For the, I mean, we have to rebuild the staff. We have to have a staff. That's step one. Yeah, not not even rebuild it, just have it. You know, we don't even have right. a staff right now. We're just this guy, Drew Rahm, or however you say his name, uh, you know, I mean, I, I get it. I get it. We got to get we got to get guys from everywhere. We had a guy pitch for us by the name of uh, Casey Lawrence. I couldn't, if my life depended on, it, I couldn't tell you who that guy is. Um, I mean, most <laughs> of the other ones I know, JoJo. Everybody knows JoJo. Everybody knows Zach Thompson. He's been pitching for us for I don't know a hundred years. Him and Jake Woodford. But again, none of those guys do anything for you. Hudson. I mean, if he's my sixth or my seventh starter, I don't have any problem with that. Um, but he's just, you know, he's on a on a on a championship team, on a you know solid playoff team. He's he's never going to pitch in the postseason unless it's like mop up duty or you know maybe strategically he faces a couple batters if you think you got the right matchup. 
Um, and yeah, he's a depth guy to help you get through the season right, and eat right. eat innings, quality innings. But yeah, I mean, he's made six starts this year. You know, I can't. I, I can. I, I ought to be able to find six starts off the scrap heap anywhere, right? And he's been. Uh, he's got a point four war, so he's a replace. He's a he's a baseline major yeah, league replacement baseball. level player. Yeah, yeah. And we've got him under control. I'm sure he's not making much money. So you know, all those things are fine. Uh, but let's talk about a one and a two. So there has been a little bit of scuttlebutt about potentially, you know, I think that Montgomery had a pretty good experience here. I think he, you know, liked, generally liked being on the team. Um, uh, Flaherty, I don't think that was as true of. I think he was, I think he liked his teammates, but I don't think he was as enamored with, uh, being in the middle of the country and I mean, he's a California guy and you know, that doesn't necessarily always mean anything. So is Arenado for that matter. But, um, I just think that Jack, you know, Jack had always believed there were greener pastures. Uh, Montgomery, you know, I think felt wanted when we went and got him, uh, especially because it was a push to, you know, win a division, get into the playoffs. And he's continued to pitch well since we moved him down to uh, the Rangers. So uh, there's a potential, and he's a free agent at the end of the year. They got him as a rental. So there's a potential that we could bring him back. And would I be comfortable with him as a number two? I mean, again, ideally he's a number three in a, in a top-level rotation. But I don't think I'd be – I mean, so if it's Montgomery, Miklas, Mats are your three, four, five, and you could go out and legitimately get two other pitchers, that'd be fine. I don't know that that's possible. I don't know what's going to – you know, how much Mon- how much some other team is willing to pay Jordan Montgomery. Uh, we'll, we'll just have to see, especially if he pitches in the postseason with Texas and, you know, depending on how that goes. But but we need an ace. So who are the available aces? I think Snell. Yeah. So right, isn't Blake Snell? Look, yeah. Looking at uh, looking at the starting pitchers that are going to be free agents. Yeah. Shohei obviously would love to put put us in that conversation, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is going to be a free agent. He's most likely going back to L.A. Let's be honest here. How old, how old is Kershaw? Is he 37 now? 36? Yeah, let me take a look here. I was about to say, why why would he want to come to uh, St. Louis after what Matt Adams and Colton Wong did to him, <laughs> walking him off in the playoffs? So um, He is currently 35. I thought he was 35, older than that. Yeah. He's pitched a lot. He's, he's, he's pitched he has a lot. Got a lot of miles. Uh, but still, I mean – Arguably a top six, top eight starter in the NL. Mm-hmm. And he consistently does it. He somehow, uh, at, towards this half of his career, the last five years, has been a little quieter uh, since he isn't like one of the 
top uh, Cy Young candidates every single year. Yeah, he's had a little bit of injury here and there the last couple of years, I think, but uh, but still getting it done and just do, going out there and, and just being solid. Uh, but yeah, so he'll be available. Uh, Aaron Nola, I think, is a big name that I am personally looking at that I love, and I would love to splash a little cash on that. He's one of those workhorse guys is kind of the category I put him in. Uh, Blake Snell, like you mentioned, uh, who I look at as being a little bit less than a workhorse guy. I feel like he's definitely has talent, uh, just not the guy who's always healthy, always going out there and going seven, eight-plus innings. Um, so I don't know. I, I would rather spend that money because they're all going to be similar money, roughly. I would rather spend that money on a guy who I'm like, yeah, he's going to be out there every five days, and he's going to be putting in at least six every single time yeah. that he's out there. He's not going to have like a four and two thirds. We're or talking like about that. we're talking about Snell there, right? That's Snell. Now he does lead the he does lead the league in innings pitched this particular season. Oh no, I'm sorry. He doesn't lead the league in innings pitched. He leads the league in ERA. Um, which, which is still amazing. Good. <laughs> yes. And but he's yeah. going to be very expensive. I mean, I I they're all going to be expensive. But he may be a little bit there may be a little more of a premium, although there's a good chance his team, I mean no, there's not a good chance his team's not making the playoffs. So, right. And I and I don't know enough about him. He was with the Rays, right, before the Padres got him. Correct. Yep. He was famously in the in the Rays World Series where they pulled him before the third time through the order, um, and it was a big old controversy versus the old analytics versus. Was he working the on a no hitter at the um, time? Approach. I he didn't have a no hitter at the time, but he was cruising, and I mean it was against the Dodgers. And I think, like, the first time through, I mean, he just made some of the Dodgers hitters just look silly with some of his curveballs and sliders and stuff like that. And so it's like, yeah, sure, your analytics say one thing, but this guy is absolutely cruising right now. Right. Leave him in. Let right. him go. But, uh, but yeah, looking at, his, uh, looking at his stats here and everything, he's gone more than 130 innings pitched. Twice in his career, which is six twenty since twenty sixteen. Yeah, that's not good. I don't know if I want to give that guy, you know, twenty five plus million dollars right. a year. I could, I could find not that I, not that I'm saying he's like a replacement level player, but I can find better bang for my buck. Well, and he might be money. a thirty two million a year player you know who knows i mean right i, right. I don't know yeah. what starting pitching is going to cost next year but it's not going to be cheap uh no but we're seeing that it pays off and we also need it so we're going to have right. to pay for it i think in one way or another but yeah so let, let, i we keep getting on little tangents <laughs> sorry <laughs> i'll read off these names oh, yeah. and then we can dive into it um so yeah we got Shohei, uh, Kershaw, Nola, Snell, uh, Julio Arias, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, who is likely going to opt out of his Detroit contract, uh, Lucas Giolito, Sonny Gray, Marcus Stroman, which will be a question if he opts out of the Cubs 
uh, contract or not. If they end up making the playoffs, maybe he won't. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flaherty. Uh, Lance Lynn has a club option. Kenta Maeda, Charlie Morton, then it kind of goes up from there. Maybe a little less uh, lesser names continuing on. But those are at least going to be your top-of-the-rotation guys available as free agents right. this offseason. Yeah, and so when we look at it, I mean, a guy I really like, um, but again, it'd be a premium price because I don't know if this is, this is the best year of his career, but it's in the top two or three, is Sonny Gray. Love Sonny um, Gray. And, but I think they also love him in Minnesota. So that may be, that deal may already be done and we just don't know it. Um, Potentially. I think he likes, uh, I mean, he's been on a couple different middle of the country teams. He was on the Reds uh, for a bit too. But I mean, you, th- you saw when he moved from the A's over to New York with the Yankees and the Yankees just had no idea either they didn't know how to use him or similar to Zach Granke, he didn't like being in that high of a profile place and just didn't perform well there. But then he goes over to the Reds, absolutely dominates there. And now he's doing phenomenally with the twins too. I love him as an option as uh, looking at him and kind of as like your number two guy and then go out and really get a guy who's going to be your workhorse stud. Yeah, I agree. Or, I mean, believe me, if we sign Sonny Gray, most selling him is our ace. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But interestingly enough, when you look at uh, War, he's number two in all of baseball behind only Garrett Cole. So that's pretty crazy. Uh, But I think it also points to the weakness of that stat for starting pitchers. Um, But anyway, yeah, so I would love Gray. Again, neither Gray nor Snell are necessarily, you know, the be-all. I mean, like Sonny Gray, always too little, you know, he, he flamed out in New York. Well, this isn't New York, so that's not a problem in my mind. Right. Well, we saw that with Montgomery, too, who was just kind of meh in New York, didn't do phenomenally, then comes over here. We saw something that they didn't, and he just absolutely tears the cover off the ball. Uh, That's a batting uh, analogy, but whatever. Did great with us. No, agree. Um, Yeah, so you've got – so, I I mean, I I think we have to be in on both those guys. Obviously, we'll have a quick conversation about Otani. I would pay him as much money as possible so that he would come to St. Louis, and but somebody else would pay him more. You know, if I offered him 500, I mean, of course, yeah. now with the injuries, there's a whole buzz around that. That'll, that'll die down a little bit between now and the end of the season, depending on how he does, you know, if he's able to at least bat for the rest of the year. And um, and then, you know, depending on what is long-term, if he needs any kind of surgery or anything like that. Uh, but that's going to be the huge topic in the offseason until uh, he signs. Um, and I'm, 
Yeah, I was going to say maybe uh, maybe a little teaser for in the future too, but I would love to do a whole uh, episode just on Shohei and really deep dive on him, and I think that would be a nice nice off-season little discussion that we could have uh, what the Cardinals should do, if they should even approach that as an option or not, in our current situation too, taking that into account. I mean, he's ninth in ERA, you know. He's he's solid. He's got three point three pitching war, and his batting war is like seven or something. I think he's got a ten combined, over ten combined, and <laughs> those are MVP numbers, which he's going to win um, in the American League. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, love to have him. Uh, and then we've got Gaussman and Webb. Neither one of those are available, right? Yeah. Uh, no. So I'm not a huge Giolito fan, but, you know, maybe. I think I, I, I see him similarly to – I think he's got better talent, but in his production so far, almost in a weird way similarly to Michaelis. But just Michaelis is – Older, kind of like what you mentioned in a previous episode of Michaelis is consistently that six, and Giolito can be that eight, but he can also right. be like a four, right? Something like that. So it's just kind of you're paying for that uncertainty and that potential, yeah. Still, yeah. I mean, he's he's done everything. He's I mean, he's really done everything he's supposed to do this year, but it's just. I don't want to say it's meh because it's not. It's better than that. Uh, but surprisingly, his stats and Nola's are very similar. Uh, I mean, obviously, one loss record's not the same. But uh, the one thing Nola does is he does just eat up the innings because they've made the same number of starts, the same number of quality starts which for guys that pitch a lot of innings, you know, naturally they're going to theoretically have a few more quality starts because that's how you get deeper into games. Uh, and uh, through the, through 27 starts, it looks like uh, um, Nola's got about 14 more innings pitched than Giolito. So that's, you know, not quite an inning on, you know, it's about a half an inning average. So he probably, you know, on average gets a couple more outs, you know, gets through a couple more, which a lot of times can mean a lot. Uh, you know, if it's, if they're at uh, 167 innings through 27 starts, uh, that's about six, that's an average of six innings a start. So, you know, whereas, uh, Whereas Lucas is, you know, is down near probably like at 5.1 or something like that. Uh, and so, you know, those two outs to get you out of the sixth, you know, out of the fifth um, and complete that sixth inning or get you out of the sixth, I'm sorry, and complete that sixth inning, you know, then you need three innings from your bullpen. Uh, Nola is very interesting. He, he, I don't know what it's going to cost. I don't know what his desires are. Um, but boy, he's, he, I mean, the problem is, is that the way free agency works, 
is it just gets a little crazy, doesn't it? With what the Dodgers and the Mets and the Sox and the Yankees and some of these other teams are able to do with these guys. Um, and, but, but we have to, we have to identify one of them and I will leave it to, uh, you know, Mo or whoever to know better than me. And you and I can do some research on this and have these, uh, facts with us, you know, what they're current, what they made this year. Cause if we took that list and looked at what they made this year, there's going to be a little bit of variation there. Um, you know, age is a factor and, you know, and what does a guy want? You know, what does a guy want? That's, 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 that'll be for after the season's over and we start really kind of diving into it. But, uh, yeah, Nola, give them to me, you know, give me Nola and Snell and I'll leave you alone, Mo. I won't bother you anymore after that. Uh, <laughs> That would be really interesting. I'd be I'd be totally fine with a, a rotation that looked like Nola Snell, Michaelis, Mats, and then legitimately throw me any any other of our young guys, whether it's Libertor Thompson, Rom if he shows up, whoever. Well, I would I would be fine with uh going uh Snell, Nola, Montgomery, Michaelis, Mats. That'd be nice. That'd be that would be a real starting staff. Okay. I put, you know I could get saying? down for that. I mean, wh- that would where, be. Where would that rank us in the NL? Probably four or five, and that's fine. That's that's where you want to be. I mean, right now mm-hmm. we're legitimately either twelve or thirteen out of fourteen teams. Uh, I don't think that I don't. I, off top of my head, I don't. I'm not even thinking who the Rockies have, but I'm assuming they have a worse starting pitching staff than us. And Herman Marquez is like the only guy that's sticking out. Yeah, he's definitely their quote unquote ace. And I don't think his numbers are that great. I mean, uh, obviously it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's Denver, but uh, so, yeah, so we'll look at that some more, but I think what we, what this conversation and this exercise really highlights is you're looking at committing 60 million roughly in new starting pitching salary, maybe a little bit more even for 2024. So what are you losing? Well, you're losing Wayno, which would we pay him like 18, 17, 5 or something like that this year? Yeah, right now yeah. he's on 18 and a so, half. So, you know, you save that. Um, I don't know what we're pay- paying Flaherty, but it wasn't that. It might have been 12 ish or whatever it was. Um, and so it so let's just say for the sake of the conversation, we're talking about an additional forty million dollars in salary. We can do that. You know, not we. I'm not paying any of it, neither are you. But the DeWitts have the money to do that. And the team can, you know, the team's financial structure, I think, can support that. Because that would represent what, another thirty or so percent? 
We don't know if we can get Snell and Nola, but we don't know that we can't either. So that's what this offseason is going to be about. As far as the youngsters, uh, uh, how do you say it? Graceffo, is that how you say it? Graceffo and I forget the other starter at Memphis, those two are not on the 40-man. So the only way to get them up here would be to clear a spot. Now, I personally think I could probably do that for Mo in about five minutes, but it is a reality. So maybe we ride it out. Uh, there's not a whole lot to learn in the next month necessarily, uh, especially if this guy Rom has any potential to pitch in the big leagues. We're getting a good look at Thompson. We're getting a good look at Libertor. Of those three guys, and I don't know if Rom's even really in the mix. I just don't know enough about him. Do you know anything about him? Well, he just made his debut, not this most recent start, but the one before that. So he's only had two starts in the big leagues at all. So even before he got traded over to us. So um, still a very unknown commodity, but definitely was not like a top, top prospect either. Um but yeah, I mean, I, it sounds like, which is kind of what we kind of mentioned in the previous episodes, give these guys a look and see what they have. Um, who, who was the other guy we got from Texas that has been hurt and just just made his debut? Yeah, Takoa Roby is his name. Yeah, Roby. I mean, that's the guy that we think potentially could be a big league starter, right? Yeah, he seems to be a dude. Uh, and I think he, when he got traded over to us, I think initially just immediately went into, I think, our fifth or sixth prospect in like the, the team ranks. So uh, definitely seems to be a good pitcher that we got. So he's going to be the guy coming through. So, so... You know, those four, Rom, Libertor, Thompson, and and Thompson, I don't even know if he really belongs in the conversation. Libertor, I, I just don't know. I mean, I know he was our highest pitching prospect for probably the last three years, I guess. And it seems to me you don't stay, you know, the, the team isn't, touting you as their number one pitching prospect for that long trading other younger guys you know if they don't believe that you can in fact make it at the big league you still have to do it obviously and so but we are getting a good look at him we're getting a good look at him we're getting a good look at thompson and we're getting a good look at uh you know this rom guy uh, and so if uh, Roby is, if you add him to that mix, you got Hudson. You know, if 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 we get two guys better than Miklas or Mats, I mean, significantly better. You know, two of the, and it doesn't have to be, and I don't know if we're going to have time this episode. But there's also the potential for trade. We do have young major league talent that we can trade. 
somebody has to want it, but it exists. I mean, you're telling me Tommy Edmond doesn't have value. Uh, Carlson, you know, may, you know, Carlson and uh, O'Neill probably wore out their, you know, we, we, we didn't sell them when they had value and I don't know that they have much left anymore. Um, but didn't we get Montgomery uh, by letting go of Harry Bader? Yes, that was that was the trade. Yep. I mean, wouldn't you do that ten times out of ten? A hundred percent. Right. So you know whether it's all, uh, and also uh, Donnie. Donnie's the other one. So Edmund Donnie, because we have Mason Win. Mason Win, as long as he can play the position, is our shortstop for the next you know twenty five years. God willing, right? But at least, at least the next six while he's under team control, right? And uh, you know, and I mean, unless he just is a you know can't do it, which there's no indication that's true. He's only done it everywhere he's ever been at a high level. So you know, you got him, and you know, some people say trade Walker. I think it's way too soon to do that. I, I'd oh, run yeah. him out there every day next year in right field. And uh, same thing with Gorman. You know, Gorman's got the back issues. He's a high high risk, high reward guy. You know, he's a three three true outcome guy. Hits the ball a country mile and strikes out just as often. Um, but he's still, you know, if you look at our if you look at this season which, you know, he's been a quote-unquote regular all year, he's he's probably our third best hitter, unless you want to put Contreras above him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it, you know. And, and so, I mean, I have to have eight starters every day. Now, I understand that two or three of those can be out of a – out of a group of six or seven guys, that's fine. That's, you know, you got to keep your bench fresh, blah, 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 all that stuff. But I think Gorman, me personally, Walker, you know, Goldie and Nato. Uh, and then, you know, that, that's why I say I think we have an offense that can compete. Well, they're showing it this year. As bad as we've been, they're a, a top uh, at least top 10. I don't know where they're at right this second, but at least top 10, top eight, top seven, somewhere in there, uh, offense in the entire league. So like, we're, we're right there. As far as our offense goes, we are very good. And so we, if we fix our pitching, like you talked about, if we, you know, if our pitching looks like, uh, what was it that you mentioned? Nola Snell, Montgomery, Miles and I can't remember the fifth person you mentioned, but Stephen Matz, uh, yeah, or yeah, yeah, Stephen Matz, exactly. Or so. any you know anybody else. And where does that rank us as far as pitching goes? If you look at that, and even if we get half decent pitching, that can just go give us a chance to win, and especially in the bullpen as well, we could we could easily be right back to where we're supposed to be and winning the majority of our games um, and, and leading the division and where the division is right now, we should be leading the division by multiple, multiple games, uh, like by five games right now with, if our pitching was good, that's how good our offense is right now. We should be one of the teams that they're talking about among the top teams in the entire league. 
but we're not because our pitching is so bad. So I think our offense is totally fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, you're you're going to continue to make moves. You're going to continue to look for value. You're going to do all those things. I mean, every, you know, if we look back over the last 30 or 40 years of Cardinals baseball, you know, you add that veteran bat, uh, you know, for a jolt in uh, July at the trade deadline or, you know, even August. And... Um, you know, and you and you get some help for the stretch and potentially the playoffs. That's, you know, th- that's a legendary thing that the Cardinals and all the top teams have done. You know, throughout throughout the history of the game. Um, but we need the pitching, and let's talk for a few minutes, maybe before we wrap up, and then if there was anything else. Uh, we do want to talk a little bit, I think, about the fact that getting this pitching, you know, like we said, is going to cost because there's also the potential to acquire, you know, good starters via trade. And traditionally, one of the places you look for those is among the bottom feeders, is among the 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 not as good teams in the league and the ones that don't have a great plan to get good or they can't afford to. Now, if the A's are going to Vegas, which I think is a done deal, right? That, Pretty much. You know, I don't know what's on their staff. I mean, why would I look at it? They're the worst team you know, they got 38 wins and they're going to have a hundred losses and under 45 wins uh, in the next few, you know, next 10 days or 12 days, whatever it is. Uh, do they have anybody on their staff, right? Do the Royals, you know, the famous Yankees minor league club, do they have anybody on their staff? Um and, you know, because can they get there? The Mets, you know, we saw what happened with them. They they just opened up the, the you know, the Brinks truck and realized, you know, I give the guy credit um, that he realized that he, you know, they made some mistakes. But they, they were all on the highest, you know, the highest paid free agents and they moved them along. But – do they also have other potential, you know, if they're if they're kind of doing a reboot and trying to refigure this whole thing out, you know, do we have anything that would be attractive to them, young major leaguers, so that they can take their next run at high-dollar free agents or whatever? Um, you know, and so so that's where I mean that's how you that's how you get into the trade game, right? And Guys come from anywhere. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you look at Arenado, he came from a small market, you know, team that hasn't had a ton of success. Uh, Goldie, pretty much the same thing. I mean, you could argue that Arizona was a better team, but when they traded uh, Goldschmidt, they, you know, they were kind of – they. I think they were concerned that they wouldn't be able to uh, sign him when he came to free agency, and they didn't have, 
you know, they may have had a plan, but it wasn't coming to fruition in the in the near future. And we made an offer that was attractive and they took it. And we all cried about Carson Kelly. And, you know, he was he was DFA a few weeks ago. So I think you I think you've used the the term before, you know, you can't prospect hug. Uh, I agree. And nobody's untouchable. I mean, in my mind, you've developed Gorman, Walker, and Wynn. And those three players need the opportunity to see if they're good enough to be your future stars. You know, you got Goldie for another year, I think, or two. You got Nato for another four, I guess, along with Contreras. So those two theoretically are together uh, the whole time, which is fine. I, I mean, if you told me that for the next four years, uh, Arnado was going to be my third baseman and Contreras was going to be my catcher, I'm fine with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, but the rest of these guys, we need to be, especially the young guys, we need to be willing to make deals, right? Um, you know, everybody's going to say, oh, you're going to trade a Rosarena again. Well, maybe, you know, but I need, I also might trade Carson Kelly. I also might trade uh, the pitcher we traded to the Braves a few years ago. Didn't get, didn't get a ton of return, but uh, he also is out of the game. You know, and there's and there's a number of a number of cases of that uh, happens every day. So, but paramount in all of that conversation, Duncan, I think, is the fact that we have to, if if we go into say after the GM meetings, um, and you know, it seems like every year free agency, they start those those better players. It feels like they get scooped up right away. Maybe that's just my sense and it doesn't bear out in fact, but it feels that way. Mm-hmm. So I would I would hope that, you know, and Mo's given us a few Christmas gifts over the years. It's happened. Um, and I'm assuming for the sake of this conversation now, John Mozalek keeps his job. Until basically he doesn't want to do it anymore. That's basically what DeWitt said. But his his contract's ending soon. I believe he might have one more year on there. Um, but DeWitt at least said that he was going to finish his contract. Yeah, he's, I mean, unless we just completely, like if we were to finish last place again next year, I did see a stat, I think it's a, like 120 of 145 days or maybe even the other way around 125 of 140 days whatever whatever the stat was we've been in last place this year in the in the National League Ouch. Central that's crazy yeah we haven't we haven't spent that many days in last place in probably the last 15 years combined yeah we don't know what this feels like it's insanity yeah. So anyway, but but that's why but that's why we're desperate to do something about it, right? Yep. And like you said, you gotta you gotta be willing to make trades, and uh, you always have the potential, like you said, to be to end up trading the next Randy Randy Rosarena. But also, speaking of another Randy, if you have faith in Randy Flores, your um, 
oh gosh, what's this actual title? Um, yeah, but like if you pro, have pro person, director, or pro personnel, or something like that, whatever it is. Yeah, if you have faith in him and developing guys and drafting guys, um, then don't worry about trading away one guy who might be good. And Randy Rosarena might be great for the next ten years. He might have two more seasons and then just kind of fall off the face of the earth. You have no idea. Um, and that's the whole idea of prospects is you don't know, but you have to have faith in the guys you have drafting and developing. You need to have that down. Um, but then also have in the back of your mind as well that like you have to have kind of like what you mentioned before with Tony LaRusso's approach and just being ruthless and just saying, all right, uh, just saying like, okay, if you're, you know, not going to, be performing at the highest level that we expect you to, I'll go find another guy who will, because there is somebody else out there who can do it. And just say, like, doesn't matter what your name is, what you've done with, with us before for the last six months, I don't care. You're going to you're gonna go if you can't uh, live up, be up to snuff uh, and everything. So uh, the, the stat that I had seen that I think needs to be kept in mind uh, with the approach to trades and moving on from guys and the potential of uh, missing out on what a guy might do. Um, for example, like people are talking about Lane Thomas and what he's doing this year for the Nationals. Did anyone like think when we got rid of Lane Thomas a few years ago that like, oh, if he has you know one good year, we're gonna be so mad about it? No, absolutely not. That's part of why you got rid of him. Uh, was because we didn't have a spot for him. Sure, he might go on and have a good year, and he, he's he been playing great, but also that's not going to ruin you as a franchise. And also if he stayed and he had, and if from whenever we got rid of him until now, for those few years, he was a replacement-level war player, and then this year he had a pretty decent year. Basically that's what Tyler O'Neill's done uh, for the most part. And nobody's banging down the door to have him start every single day and be the centerpiece of your ball club. So whenever whenever anybody leaves and they go do something good for another club, everybody freaks out about it. But, for example, you look at Lane Thomas's career, his whole career, and look, to, look at what he's done. He's done it for not even an entire season this year. He might be good going forward, but he hasn't proven it consistently he has he hasn't turned into like an absolute superstar uh so everybody pumped the brakes a little bit on being so uh, worried about trading the next big guy because the stat that i saw uh was that 29 percent of prospects that were traded and this is from 2013 to 2018 so it gives a, a decent sample size uh, while not being immediately last year in the last couple of years. So from 2013 to 2018, those five years or so, uh, 29% of prospects that were traded never played a single day in the big leagues. So everyone worries about what you might give up for a guy to get somebody to improve your team. But almost a third of those guys are never going to see a big league field. Right. So just keep that in mind. And I think that I think it bears out even just anecdotally when you think about teams uh, in the past and everything and why you you always hear the ad, adage of, you know, the rich keep getting richer and everything. And you have 
clubs like uh, the Dodgers who consistently trade away pieces and trade away prospects to get Max Scherzer, Trey Turner. Um, they traded away. Uh, they got like well, they got David Price. That was Boston getting rid of a contract, but they traded for Mookie Betts and they uh, traded over Jeter Downs uh, and got rid of him. He was a high prospect at the time to get Mookie Betts, uh, but they trade consistently trade away all these guys. It hasn't turned out, for example, with with that club. It hasn't turned out that. You know, majority of the guys that they traded away have become these superstar players for other clubs. So I think it's just something that people need to keep in mind that it's okay to get rid of some guys, and there's the potential that they may still be good players, and that's okay. But it's all about what did you get back for that player, and also looking at the the trade and the weight of that trade in the present moment. So. For example, yeah, you're trading away uh, the potential for Randy Rosarena to be a superstar-level player. Say it took him two years to get to wherever he is now. You, he had the potential of being that, but he also had the potential of never playing in the big leagues also. So it's it's a question mark is essentially it. But I looked back at some of the Cardinals' trades in the past. So if you think of like 2018, I looked at, for example, we traded Tommy Pham to the Rays, and we got international signing bonus pool money, and Justin Williams, Genesis Cabrera, and Roel Ramirez were the guys that we got back. Justin Williams, no longer on the team. Genesis Cabrera, we DFA'd, or I guess we ended up trading him, uh, to the uh, Blue Jays. So he's no longer on the team. Roel Ramirez, I don't believe, is with the club either. Uh, also another trade, Oscar Mercado we got rid of. Decent uh, level prospect for us at the time. Traded him to Cleveland. Cleveland DFA'd him. We picked him back up this year. And then we DFA'd him again. So, you know, it's kind of disappeared. Uh, those guys no longer with the club. We ended up getting, uh, or we gave up, excuse me. Uh, I'm sorry. We gave up Oscar Mercado, got back Connor Capel and John Torres. Uh, did that do anything for us? Anything impactful for us? No. Uh, also another trade, a little less uh, of a trade and everything. Sam Tuivalala uh, to Seattle, and we got Seth Elledge back. Just a couple like bullpen guys. But either way, those are all pieces for us. Uh, I think the biggest one looking at it is Tommy Pham. He was a good player for us. He was older, but he was a good outfield player for us. And it's okay to get rid of guys. Uh and not worry about the return as much uh, or what you're giving up to get that return. Um, and you mentioned the Goldie deal earlier as well. No one that we traded to the D-backs, so you mentioned Carson Kelly being DFA'd, but no one in that deal is still on the Diamondbacks. So Carson Kelly's DFA'd, like you mentioned. Luke Weaver, no longer with the Diamondbacks. The other piece of that deal was a minor leaguer Andy Young infielder. Haven't heard that name since they announced the Goldie trade uh, back in 2018. So I think that just kind of gives some perspective on the idea of prospect hugging and everybody worrying so much about what we're giving up uh, because there's always that question mark of the potential of what could that person be. Well, and there's also the there's also the identification of talent. You know, that's uh, you know, like you said, 
We feel like Flores has had a pretty good track record so far. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I was, I kind of liked Mad Dog, but, you know, he, I, I mean, I'm sure, I don't even know. I'm not, I'm not going to speculate on Ollie and what he did. What's our pitching coach's name now? I can, I can't even hardly remember it. Dusty Blake. Uh, yeah. What has that guy done? I you hadn't know? heard of him before he was hired by us, so. Right. I mean, I don't even know what his, was he an assistant pitching coach with another uh, major league team or was he in our minor league system? I forget. But the point is, is that, you know, we had dunk for 20 years or whatever. Uh, Maddox, like I said, I thought he was effective. You know, I thought he got a lot out of a little because we have been skirting this issue and surviving on, you know, a top two or three offense and, you know, the guttiness of a guy like Wayno for, you know, arguably the last decade. You know, we've had plenty of young potential. We've had Flaherty. We had Martinez. We had, you know, we've had guys that we thought were going to be it, right? Uh, I, I don't remember all the details around Lance Lynn or Michael Waka, why they, why we let those guys go. Um, but, uh, you know, they turned out to be guys that had staying power in uh, MLB. And unfortunately, we have not had that same kind of luck with younger pitchers. I mean, Miklas, we stole him. He was in Japan before we got him, right? Uh, same thing with Mats, kind of. Uh, he's been, you know, he's been unfortunately injured. I still think he's got more to give, and I'm hoping because I think next year might be his walk year, right? So if we can, there's a potential to get a decent season out of him. Now, what's his what's his ceiling? I don't know. Uh, is he a number three? You know, is that his ceiling? Could he be a solid number three on a good staff? Maybe. I'm thinking if he's if he's having a you know a career type year, and he's your number four, uh, then you're golden. You know, if he's yeah. just average. Then he's a fifth starter, you know, and we didn't pay much for him and we can move him on if we need to. You know, we could either let him go or, you know, trade him to somebody else who thinks they can jumpstart him, do a little bit more with him. Um, but yeah, all these. So, <clears throat> so you're right. I mean, Alcantara, I think we knew how good he was, but that was, well, we, the, that was the we Ozina deal, getting- right? Yeah, that was the Ozuna deal, and we were getting an MVP candidate that year. Right. So, like, we knew that he was good. It's not like we gave him away and we were like, oh, man, he turned out to be really good. How did we not know? It's like, no, we knew. Right. But you have to be able to give something up to get something good. Who, no, who, Ozuna who, didn't turn who, out who way, we wanted. Who, by the way, Ozuna, again, this year is like 10th in the league uh, in war. So Quiet. Quietly, <laughs> because he's you know he's he's not really a defensive player at all. I don't know how he survived in the National League as long as he has. But and the Braves are good. The Braves, you know, he's on a great team, so he has more opportunities. 
and he has come through a lot. You know, he had a couple, he had, a, and he had, a, a, you know, two decent seasons with us. So anyway, <clears throat> we got to make these deals and we got to get aggressive. And I think that's going to happen. I don't, I mean, I'm pretty sure, and I've been going a little bit back and forth on this, but I'm pretty sure that we have to get rid of Marmol. I mean, and I, you know, I'm trying not to be knee jerky about that. Uh, but I just don't think the guys got it. I don't think the players really have, you know, they're not like ready to run through a wall for him, certainly. And, you know, he just doesn't seem to like what he did tonight. Tonight, Wayno, uh, who, you know, I mean, his struggles this season are well documented, and he's trying like hell to get to 200 wins. And tonight he goes into the sixth with uh, tied tied at zeros against Snell. Oh, by the way, at the time we had two hits. I think we finished with three. Maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe we never got more than two. Uh, we lost. Uh, we did score a run, so we must have got a couple hits. Maybe in the eighth or the ninth. But four uh, one was the final. But it was zero zero. Wayno gives up back-to-back singles to start the sixth. Then he gets an out. But then he gives up a double to Gary Sanchez. But luckily, we he uh, uh, I think it was Bogarts was thrown out at third on the play. So now we've got, I think this is right, now we've got first and or man on second, two outs. But at that point, it's like, Wayno cannot be, you, you got to go get him. He's given up three hits to four batters. He got lucky on a play in the field where, you know, old Jordan Walker, the bust, uh, threw him out. And I haven't seen the replay of it. I wasn't watching it live. So I don't know how much that was a mistake on Bogart's part. But anyway... Two outs, and then he walks the next batter. I think it was Grisham. So I'm like, what are we doing? You know, what are you doing, Ollie? And then he does eventually get out of the inning. He got, uh, I think it was Kim to ground out to end the inning. So, you know, if if you don't pay attention to what was going on at the time, you're like, oh. Look at this. We got six six innings, one run, uh, you know, scattered like eight hits or whatever for Wayno. Great, great. It's awesome. Of course, he had no chance to win because we we're he's pitching against the other team's ace, and you know the Cardinals' bats were silent tonight. So if your goal is to just get Wayno to two hundred, which I think it's pretty blatantly obvious, that's what's happening then, you know, you got to look at the writing on the wall and say, what's the potential after he gives up the first run now? I mean, that could have been a crooked number inning all over. I mean, the dude's got an eight plus ERA for the season. So he was at like 84 pitches, 80. I think he started the inning, you know, he was still in the seventies, maybe even the mid seventies. So good for him. But that quickly ballooned. 
And he was looking like the guy who's had a hard time all year. You know, his fastball, he threw his fastball, I, I think he had 185 miles an hour. I'm like, seriously? This is a major, I mean, it's just not possible. And 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 so what I'm saying is, is that if you're playing the results, you're not going to necessarily mark that incident, tonight's incident, down as a serious managerial failure. But in my mind, I think it epitomizes why, you know, we need to really consider if this is a guy we want to have. I mean, what I believe is going to happen is the day after the season ends, they're going to fire Marmol. But that's my thought too. Say that. What you say? I say that's my thought too. That's I, I almost just think he's just like a placeholder for now until yeah they kind of revamp things in the off season. I think that's probably true. It, it would be it would be very Cardinals, you know, um, and that's fine. I really don't care either way. I don't know that a new manager is going to really do much in the last month. Uh, to have a big impact, you need a guy that can come in, have a full spring, you know, a whole season. And if you look at it from a PR perspective, too, if with the PR nightmare of a season that the Cardinals have had, uh, if, if they go out and change the manager now, what's what's the reaction going to be? It's going to be, well, why didn't you guys do this five months ago when we had a chance to actually make a change? With how our season is going, you decided to wait until after we're already out of it, and then you're like, ah, well, we might as well give up, get get rid of our manager now. So like that would that would literally be the reaction to it. So from a PR perspective too, it's kind of too little, too late to get rid of him now in a way, and you might as well just stick it out through. The- yeah, I mean, even even if they did make the change, they'd probably put Stubby, you know, in charge last month and you know, say we're going to do a search and blah, blah, blah. So you're right. Just just leave it as a status quo till you get to the end of September. Maybe, you know, Ollie can get a couple more ejections and get his name on, you know, the the, the list of most ejections by a manager <laughs> in the season. And, say he's up there right now. Yeah, and that'll, that'll, that'll give him something to take, you know, to tell his grandkids about. Yeah, in 23, I got kicked out how many times. Um, but anyway... I think that I think that I think you and I are in agreement about you know what the approach kind of needs to be. It's, I think it's forced. I don't think it's it's you know the str- I mean I think it's a, a relatively clear strategy. Obviously, there's a lot of ways to get there. You could do multiple trades. You know, you could empty not empty, but you could be very aggressive with your farm and your younger players. And, you know, trade a number of assets to get yourself the starting pitching you need and avoid free agency. Uh, but I think, you know, I, I mean, I think when you look at that list we talked about earlier, uh, and we'll look at it again five or six times between now and, you know, probably October, you know, end of the end of the World Series, certainly. Um. You know, you're one at least one of those guys we got to buy because this is it's the only way you get to that level. Uh, unless we can identify, you know, big time pitchers on teams that aren't, you know, that just aren't 
probably. I mean, like an Alcantara, would Miami ever trade him? Probably not. I mean, you know, why would they? Uh, they're they're not going to make the play. Well, they're almost certainly not going to make the playoffs. They got an outside shot, but they're probably not going to make the playoffs. Um, that could be a whole episode in and of itself. What teams and what players could you target? Right. Yeah. I mean, oh, we'll do that. We'll definitely have to do that as we go along. But I think we agree. And I think Mosaic, for the most part, has said it publicly. We got to get two guys at the top of the rotation. That's minimum. And bring Monty back. Make it simple. Hey, Monty, good job. Thanks for going to Texas. Thanks for getting us a couple prospects back. You know, here's an extra $5 million. You know that you would that that we above what we might have given you anyway. Um, yeah, and I I believe I had heard from on a, a different show or something too that um, I think his wife is like a dermatologist or something like that, a doctor of some kind, and uh, moved her practice to St. Louis after he got traded here from New York, and I so I think they really love being here. So I, I would not see that out of the realm of possibility of him coming back. But then you also have the other side of it where I think he's kind of uh, a little snake bitten, a little uh, not feeling the best about not being approached about an extension earlier as well. So maybe that leaves a little sour taste in his mouth when he left to go to Texas and get back with Mad Dog. So who knows? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. And I, and I think we need to – I think Blake needs uh, uh, significant evaluation. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm not a – you know, I, uh, I admit that I don't know much when it comes to – I just know we've been fortunate to have pretty strong pitching coaches, you know, over the last 30 years or so. So we'll right. see. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, you got anything else for tonight? I've got a lot of thoughts in my head, but I think uh, I think it's a good place to uh, close up today, and uh, we'll jump back in on the next one. We got a lot more to to get into with looking at the rest of the year and approaching into the following year. So, what about you? No, I agree. I'm uh, I'll be interested to see how some of these series play out over the next couple of days, and then I think this weekend there's a couple of really tasty ones. Uh, for the holiday weekend as we officially uh, enter September, uh, which is, you know, we don't have to think back that far to remember how much fun September baseball is. So won't be for us oh, this yeah. year, but it, it will be for a number of clubs. Well, good. That'll be a, a good little teaser, a good little uh, something to, to look forward to over the next few days. Uh and yeah, we'll kind of go from there. All right, sir, I appreciate it.